Today's scripture comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And from the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked them, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. My name's Emily. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are wrapping up the third week of a quick three-week sermon series. Today's the last day. We've been looking at some of our uh, roots as a denomination of United Methodists. You may be wondering who John is. You may be thinking that could be John the Baptist. Well, it's not that one. And you may be thinking it's John the Disciple. It's not that one either. We're talking about John Wesley, who was a pastor back in the 1700s in the Church of England. And he and some others were the unlikely founders of the United Methodist Church. It all began as a reform movement. They thought it looked like people who were Christians were just going through the motions. And Wesley thought, what if we could be more genuine in our faith and practice and putting together our doctrine and our life? So he put together three of something. Those three would be these three general rules that would help us do that. Three guidelines to help us be authentic as Christians and not Christian in name only. What are those three rules? We've been doing them these last three Sundays. The first one is do no harm. The second is do good. And the third, in the language of the 1700s, is attend to the ordinances of God, which someone else has uh, paraphrased to be stay in love with God, which is what we'll talk about today as we put all this together. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of mercy, help us to stay in love with you. Help us to be Christians who are so in more than name. 
Help us to be those disciples who live out our faith every day and in who we are. Lord, we love you and we pray that you would get me out of the way this day. That the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, and that this would be your message. For you are our Savior, our Redeemer, our Shepherd, and it is such a blessing to have a relationship with you. It's in your name we pray, as all God's people say, Amen. Well, I have a question for you that I'd like you to answer. So you could find a pen, grab a little corner of a piece of paper, or pull out the notes app on your smartphone, or simply make space in your head to think about it. If you're joining us online, you might have access to some paper and pen, or you might want to put the answer in the chat. The question is, what do you love the most? What do you love the most? Top three. What do you love the most? The top three. Is it family or certain members of the family? Is it friends or certain (laughs) friends? Is it God? Is it the beach? (laughs) Is it baseball? Is it okra? Corn on the cob this time of year? Hamburgers? What do you love the most? Your top three. What we love says much about who we are. What we love shapes our lives, shapes our priorities, shapes how we spend our time, how we spend our money, shapes how we uh, look at our calendar and set up a week about it. What we love defines who we are. For instance, if we love okra, and I do, we set aside a place in the garden for it. We get seeds. We go to the grocery store to make sure I have enough money to buy some okra so that I can eat it and invest time in it because I have a personal relationship with okra. If you love baseball... You would set aside time for it. Go to a game, maybe your son's games, maybe your grandkids' games, maybe you play on a team, maybe you play in the backyard, maybe you watch a lot of games on TV, maybe you go to see the Fred Nets, maybe you go up to to D.C. to see a Nationals game. You set aside time and plan your week accordingly so that you can have a personal relationship with baseball. My husband does that. Maybe your marriage makes the top three if you're married. And your spouse is one of the top three uh, that you love. And so you structure your life around that. Honor that relationship. Honor that person. You make time for them and you commit yourself in words and actions. You get really good at communication and work on it and work on forgiveness. Have date nights and make sure you set aside time to have a personal relationship that is growing with your spouse. Well, for John Wesley, God made the top three. Maybe God makes the top three for some of us as well. 
and for Wesley, attending to the ordinances of God, as he put it, helped to keep that relationship with God vital and growing. Back uh, some years ago, a United Methodist bishop whose name was Reuben Job, who served out in Iowa and has since passed away, wrote a book about John's Big Three. And in that book, he paraphrases this third rule to be stay in love with God. How do we do that? How do we keep our relationship with God alive and growing? Wesley offered five ways that he thought might be helpful. You might be able to guess what they are. Worship, holy communion, prayer alone and with others, searching the scriptures as he called it, or Bible study, reading the Bible regularly, and fasting. Worship, holy communion, prayer alone and with others, uh, spending time in the Bible and fasting. He said these are five ways that we can intentionally focus on building our love relationship with God in Jesus Christ. You may have other ways that help you to stay in love with God too. If you're joining us online, you can type it in the chat. At the early service, I invited people to say their uh, spiritual disciplines out loud. We got answers like journaling, listening to music, singing. We got answers like going out for a walk in the woods, praying while we're out running. Someone said service and being in ministry and doing something for somebody else helps them to stay in love with God. If you, um, I want to lift this up too. Maybe that personal daily devotional time is helpful as well. If you don't know where to start with that, we've got some books out in the lobby. And for those of you online, uh, Upper Room has resources online as well. And we'd invite you to have that as a place to start if this is new. I want to mention that prioritizing love for God is not something that Wesley came up with in the 1700s. It was important thousands of years before that. The Hebrew people, as they were beginning to settle into a new land and establish a new life, wanted to know what would be most important in setting up this new home. So the words that Helen read for us today from Deuteronomy helped to give them a compass. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And that was what they were to focus on as paramount as they built a new life in a new place. Love for God in the Hebrew, in that passage, does not mean an emotion. Love for God in the Hebrew, in that passage, means an active engagement. It means an action, a love that acts intentionally and engages that relationship. The Hebrew words for heart and soul and might reflect our intellect, our capacity, our ability, our will. That that would be so wrapped up in God that we would want to do whatever honors God and grows us actively in that loving relationship. 
And then they're told to uh, not only wrap their lives around it, but to wrap other lives around it too. To teach it to their children. To recite it when they're at home and when they are away. To put it on the doorposts of their homes and on their gates. To strap it to their bodies, around their hands and on their foreheads. That love for God was meant to be this paramount and central to who they are. Some people take this passage literally. Some people take this passage metaphorically. If you take this passage literally, there are persons who literally attach this scripture in a container called a mezuzah by the front door of the house at an angle. And so as you go home, you touch it. And then as you come out, you touch it so that as you go into the home, you see that that mezuzah up there knowing this scripture is on parchment in there. And you know, okay, love for God is paramount in this home. And as you go out into the world, you'd see it and you'd know, okay, love for God is paramount as I go out into the community. Persons who take the scripture literally also strap actual straps to their arms and their foreheads with little small leather black boxes containing this passage written on parchment. They're called frontlets or teflon or phylacteries. And you'd wear that actually so that this passage is front and center, strapped literally to your skin and on your forehead. And there are those who say this prayer twice a day as the passage says at morning. And at night, those who take this passage metaphorically are then to live lives surrounded by this love of God. We may not affix it to our bodies with straps and nails, but we want to be surrounded by this love of God so much that we never forget it. And that as we go out of the house, that it matters who we are and love of God is paramount. And as we come home, that love of God is paramount there too. And we seek to grow in that relationship. This is a core passage and it's called the Shema. That's the Hebrew word. That's the first word in verse uh, four of this passage. Hear, O Israel, that's the Shema. It's a very important prayer in Jewish history and tradition, and faith, and practice, and it's important in Christian practice too. When Jesus, in fact, was asked which of the commandments is most important, you might think that he'd pick one of the big ten. What Jesus did is he picked this one from Deuteronomy chapter 4, the Shema, and added to it Leviticus 19.18, which says also love your neighbor as yourself that this would be what would define us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And Jesus adds mind with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God and loving others uh, would be a great thing to make our top three. I think Jesus might make it number one. Having this grounded relationship uh, with God in Jesus Christ is such a gift. If you know what that is, you know it as a gift. 
It is a gift that saves us, a gift that redeems us, a gift that heals us, a gift that gives us this new identity, a gift that gives us eternal life, a gift that gives us life and promise and hope and meaning and tells us who we are by the God who created us. And in United Methodist faith and practice, this relationship with God in Jesus Christ is both a gift and an obligation. It's both a privilege and blessing and a responsibility as we seek to also live it out. But man, isn't it easy to drift away from it? To have things happen in our lives and challenges and difficulties and before we know it, we've kind of put God on the back burner. It just, it happens sometimes. Or we've drifted away from that relationship of love. So how do we return to that love, our first love of God in Jesus Christ? Wesley's five ideas can be pretty helpful then too. Worship, holy communion, prayer alone and with others, reading the scripture and fasting, whatever else you add in that's helpful for you too. And journaling, music, being outdoors, walking around and talking to God all day long. So here's another question today. How are you and God doing? How are you loving God in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? How would you answer the question? Wesley and his buddies would often talk about that when they got together. How are you and God doing? It's a question I'll ask people when I meet with them to talk about difficult things that are going on in their lives and I hear different answers. Many years ago, I was meeting with a gentleman who was going through incredibly difficult things in his life at the time. And so I just asked him, how are you and God doing? He said, we've had words. (laughs) I've also had somebody tell me, you know what, Pastor Emily, some days I feel close to God and some days I just don't. And on those days when I don't, I listen to music to try to draw me back into that love for God that was my first love and the deepest love and I want to have that grow. And I will never forget a conversation with a woman who was um, in her 70s It was many years ago, and she was in the last days of a very long and hard battle with cancer. And I'd been visiting with her for 10 years or more. And as I sat there by her bed, I asked, how are you and God doing? And she took her hand and went like this. She said, we're like this. And there's no space between us. And before she died, she told me, I can feel God's presence and love in my bones. I want to be like that. How are you and God doing? Where is that? 
how is that gift of a personal relationship with God and Jesus Christ part of your life? How are you growing in that love? Wesley would say that when we're able to put together these three rules, do no good, I mean do no good, (laughs) do no harm, (laughs) that's great, do good, (laughs) and stay in love with God. When we put all that together, Wesley says that's the character of a Methodist. Someone who is Christian, not in name only, but in heart and in life. We can think about it like the shape of the cross. That sometimes I think of that vertical beam as representing my relationship with God in Jesus. And so I want to stay in love with God and make that real. And I can think about the horizontal piece as that relationship with others to do no harm and to do good and to live out uh, love for others in community and make that real. And we are meant to live in the intersection of the two, that we don't have one without the other, that it's faith and practice and doctrine and life. Otherwise, it's like altruism without the why, or it's all about me and Jesus and nobody else matters. We're called to live in the intersection of both love for God and love of others as we live it out real love taken to the real world and impacting it there as authentic as we can be and grow as disciples of Jesus Christ as Pastor Jeff says from the inside out and the outside in soaked through and through in who we are And this is where Pastor Donovan comes in. As he's been working on a way for us to live this out in the community in something that's innovative and it's different and it's called the Love Your Neighbor Network. And I want to give him a chance to tell you a little bit more about it. How do we take this love for God that's growing in us out to the community in ways that maybe haven't happened before? as we try something different in a new era of ministry. Come on, Pastor Donovan, (laughs) and tell us a little bit more about it. Thank you so much, Pastor Emily. Pastor Emily um, is absolutely right. Uh, The the church is in a funky place. I I would invite you to join me in asking this question of yourself and, and really asking this question of God. What in the world is the church doing? What in the world is the church doing? What is God up to in this post-COVID world? If the pandemic taught us anything, it was that we can be innovative. We've learned this from different businesses. We've learned this from different organizations as they sought to uh, reacclimate the world, reacclimate people back to what was a normal society, right? I, I think businesses got it right at first and then some didn't. But what I particularly like about some businesses, like some of my favorite, like Giant, when we lived in Northern Virginia, uh, Giant, Starbucks, and uh, Panera, I thought that they were on the money with innovation in ways they were seeking to to engage people somewhat in the same way, but in a different way. I'll tell you. So before there was not the option where you could drive up and they would bring your coffee to your car or where where businesses would bring your your groceries or your items out to your car. Uh, 
what a lot of businesses had done, though, was develop this model where we will meet you where you are. You can just pull into these little convenient spots and we will meet you exactly where you are. We'll bring you your items. And that opened up this pool of innovation for business. And so then it got me thinking, well, I wonder if the church can be innovative in that same way. I wonder if God is calling for the the body of Christ to be innovative in that same way. How is it that God is calling us in this very real world to, to, to take God's real love into that world and to do life with people differently, but to do like what I saw businesses doing, meeting people where they are? Well, Ebenezer Church, you got it right. And I think that you were ahead of the curve when, as you all had begun um, ideating and concepting concepting this new way to be in community with other people, but also love God. And it was through the Love Your Neighbor Network. You you all beta tested this process of micro churches, right? These, These small expressions of church where you are gathering with people who you know and some who you don't know, where you are in mission together, where you are in discipleship together and where you're worshiping together, whether that's on a back porch or at a pool or in a driveway of someone's home or in a coffee shop, right? Where you're doing that life of being a smaller version of church, a smaller expression of church. That was innovative, right? And then there were people who were doing life uh, with people who love doing what you love, right? So playing basketball and football, being in fellowship with people who had the same faith values as you or who did not have the same faith values as you. But but what you did was you enjoyed, you all connected on something that the both of you all loved and you just wanted to be in community with them. And if their lives were inspired by that, then awesome. And you all did that by fresh expression, fresh expression <laughs> groups. Try saying that. And so by these two models, these two ways of micro churches and fresh expression groups, right? Doing life with people who are doing with you lo- what you love or worshiping in a smaller community, you know, in mission, discipleship and in worship. It is an innovative way that we're seeing God speaking to us to say, go and meet people where they are. Right? It's not a lazy thing. It's not a lackadaisical thing, but it's an act of practice of our faith, right? As we're being sent into the world to Judea and Samaria and Woodbridge and Stonebridge, right? <laughs> to all these different places, places to Fredericksburg, wherever it is, to go and be the love of God, be the real love of God in this very real world. And so I'm excited to share with you in the next coming months where the Love Your Neighbor Network is as we're seeking to do life with people who are doing what you love, but then also participating in smaller expressions um, of church. It is um, an incredible and innovative way of being the church, of, of taking real love to a real world. But it's also us paying attention to how God is moving in these spaces and what, how God is calling us to be in better and in deeper relationship with others. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mm -hmm. Donovan. So how about you? How's your relationship with God these days? What do you love the most? How does that define who you are and who you are becoming? How can we live this real love of God in a real world so that others see it and know we are not Christian in name only, but Christians in faith and life and doctrine and practice in who we are and how we live with one another. May we offer all of who we are 
to the God who made us. Amen.